we enter the new year, we think about a time of refreshing, starting over again, making things better than they were the year before. We kind of want to forget the bad things that happened, and we want to remember the good and kind of make those resolutions that this year is going to be different than last year. And with communion, we have that opportunity too. We remember the good things, remember the bad things that we can put behind us, and it kind of gives us a fresh start. Jesus reminds us to remember what he did, the price that he paid for us. And the Apostle Paul in chapter 11 of 1 Corinthians talks about it. It says, For I have received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks he broke it and said, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And that's why we're here. We want to remember what Jesus did for us. We talk about it fairly often, but we need to think about it deeply. What did he really do? What was the price that he really paid? Then it goes on to say, In the same manner also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. It's a new covenant. It's a fresh start that we have. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And again, that reminder to remember exactly what he did for us. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Why is that important that we proclaim that? Because it reminds us again of the price that he paid for us. In Isaiah chapter 53, starting at verse 4, again, common familiar scriptures, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. It was because of our sins that these things happened to him. Upon him the chastisement that brought us peace. The punishment that should have been ours, he took. And because of that, we have peace with God. And with his stripes, we are healed. And again, the whole thing was so that we could be made whole again. All we like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had a very good relationship with the Lord. They would walk and talk in the garden. But then sin entered the picture. And then, like it says in Isaiah, all we like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has sinned. Each one of us has missed the mark. And that's why we need a Savior. Again, it reminds us that we do need a Savior. And so God had a plan. He sent his son. And his son would pay that price so that we could again return to that right relationship with our Father. And that's what we're remembering here today. That God loved us, and he sent his son Jesus to die for us. In communion, through the breaking of the bread and the cup, it's a time to remember again the price that Jesus paid for our sins. And again, we have that opportunity to turn around and make things right. In in verse 27 of chapter 11 of Corinthians, it says, Whoever therefore eats this bread and drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Therefore, let us examine ourselves so that we eat this bread and drink this cup. And again, we don't approach the table casually. 
it's serious. And again, it's reflecting on our own lives. What's in my life that needs to be different? What do I need to confess to the Lord? And we can confess those things to him because the Apostle John said, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us all our sins and cleanse us from all iniquity. We have a fresh start in Jesus. Here at Goodness Fellowship Church, Refuge, we have the opportunity to join in communion with everyone here. We serve an open communion, which means that anybody who has accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior is welcome to participate. So as the ushers usher you forward, come, take the cup and the bread. And as you return to your seats, then you can join with your family or those people around you and just pray and have that time with the Lord and remember what he did for us. Or if you'd rather have a quiet time just for yourself, take that time. Talk to the Lord. Receive the gift that he's given us today. Let me pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for loving us so much. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for having that plan of sending your only son. And thank you, Jesus, for willingly taking up the cross, for paying that price for each one of us. And thank you, Holy Spirit, to reveal the truth of what is actually happening here, that we do have a new life. We are a new creation. Jesus Christ. Amen.
to give, uh, but we encourage you just to sit back and receive this morning. As a farmer, I know firsthand how devastating a drought can be, and uh, my heart goes out to regions just uh, like California out west where they've been in a drought condition for three years. I mean, I've experienced it for a few months, but three years is a long time to be without adequate rain. So you may have watched this on the news. They have uh, water restrictions and all that. And uh, it really affects the farming out there just because uh, the irrigation that they receive is based on what's in the reservoir. So they're basically allotted so much water uh, to water their crops. So again, my heart goes out to them. But I could really relate when I was reading in 1 Kings 18 recently when I read that the nation of Israel were under a similar situation. They were under a drought for three years. And it got so bad because I'm assuming they didn't have irrigation or adequate wells that a famine uh, broke out. And King Ahab actually had to send uh, what animals he had left to certain regions where there was springs and adequate vegetation just to keep them alive. So um, as they were working through that, Elijah came back on the scene. And then we move into a very uh, familiar por uh, portion of scripture, at least for some, where he had a showdown with the prophets of Baal. There were about 400, 450 prophets of Baal. And uh, he basically told the nation of Israel, if you want to follow them, go ahead. But if you want to follow the true God, you can follow me. And then he had a contest with these prophets of Baal where he instructed them to build an altar. And uh, they put their sacrifice on that altar and then he challenged them to call down fire from heaven from their God or gods and to see what would happen. Well, these prophets, as many of you know, basically worked all day screaming and cutting themselves and really nothing happened and until in the evening Elijah took over. So he reconstructed the altar of the Lord. He uh, put the stones together, put the wood, and then put the bull sacrifice on that. And then as an added measure, he took some water and he poured water all over uh, the um, over the sacrifice. And he cried out to God, and the fire came down from heaven, consumed the sacrifice, consumed the wood, the stones, the dust, and even every drop of water that was poured over that sacrifice. And as I was meditating on that uh, whole portion of Scripture, the Lord revealed to me that perhaps the water wasn't there as an added measure just to make that offering or that sacrifice damp. Because you could cover that sacrifice with an asbestos blanket, for example, and nothing's going to stop the fire of God from consuming it. But you know what? They had a great physical need. They didn't have any water. 
They didn't have any rain. And I imagine the sacrifice it was for Elijah to take those gallons of water to dump it on once, twice, and even three times. And it says in Scripture that trench could hold at least four gallons of water. I bet you those prophets of Baal were just hanging, standing there with their tongues open after screaming all day without any water to watch Elijah pour that all over that sacrifice. And the reason I believe it's more than just an added measure is because not only did they need rain, but then after this whole ordeal was done, Elijah went up to the mountain and he prayed. And you know what happened a short time after he prayed? It started to rain. And it started to rain in abundance. And as I meditated on this whole thing some more, the Lord revealed to me that the sacrifice on the altar that Isaiah made was what was required. There was a bull sacrifice, and that was the requirement uh, for them at that time. The Lord revealed to me that that represents the tithe. The tithe is required from all of us. But that water was an added offering because it's something that they really needed at that time. And it was a great sacrifice to pour that water out all over that offering. And then he took the time to seek God one-on-one. -on -one. And you know what happened? As I said, just rain started coming. It didn't come right away. He had to keep looking and looking. Seven times they looked out, and suddenly that cloud appeared, and then a downpour happened. So as we enter this time of a fresh start, some of us may be participating in just a concentrated time of prayer and fasting. You know, we have given sacrificially in the past, and we really appreciate those who participated in the year-end gift. Uh, we received over $22,000 in light of the need that we have, and we just praise God for that, uh, for Him providing that. That's above and beyond the tithe. That's that water poured over our sacrifice. And you know what? As we take this time over these next few weeks to really seek the face of God, Present your need to him, and he will come through. It may, you may have to keep looking. You may have to keep looking, but God is going to come through for you. And he's going to come through for this body of believers as well. That's my encouragement to you this morning. And we're going to pray a blessing over this seed sown to see that God pours his blessing over what we are sowing this morning. Father, we come before you, and we just thank you, Lord. And some, uh, we may be holding in our hands something that's a sacrifice for us. We may not have this finances in abundance. But you know what? We're stepping out in faith. First of all, we, we honor you with the tithe and, and with the first fruits of our increase. And perhaps we may even be giving an offering right now as we look for that fresh start for 2015. And we just thank you, Father God, that as you consume what we um, have given, you receive it. We know that the blessing, the response, the return is going to come back in a great measure. We fix and focus all of our effort in prayer, in faith, Father God, on you. We don't look to outside resources, but we look to you. And it may be off in the distance, but we see that glimmer of an answer. And it's drawing closer and closer and closer. And we continue to call it forth until the showers of blessing, of increase, of prosperity, of health, of relationships, all that you have in store for us, 
for what Jesus Christ has accomplished on the cross at Calvary comes raining down on us. We give you glory for that. And we ask that you could return um, your blessing upon us as we return our love to you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Ushers, receive this morning's offering.
leave us or forsake us. But as we step into this new year, as we step into a new season as a body, as a church, we look to you knowing that you will not leave us, that you have a plan, you have a purpose for us and for each one of our lives. God, we give this, this time to you, ask you to have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen up, because we have some important announcements for you. Happy New Year! Can you believe it's 2015 already? I am so excited for everything that's going to be happening this year, and I can't wait to see what God has in store. Speaking of the New Year, Fresh Start begins tomorrow. For more information about Fresh Start, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Matt. Good morning. Tomorrow we begin Fresh Start. From January 5th to the 21st, that's 21 days. Fresh Start is a fast where we as a congregation, as well as individuals, seek God and seek his direction as we enter this new year. This fast is patterned after the Daniel fast we see in the Bible, which is a fast from what the Bible calls pleasant foods. That is the sweets and the things that are not good for us and also some of the foods that we're most accustomed to eating and enjoying. In Daniel chapter nine, verse three, he states, I gave my attention to the Lord through fasting and through prayer and supplication. This is the 14th year that we as a church family have corporately fasted, seeking God's direction for the new year. Fasting is a spiritual discipline where we deprive our flesh of what it wants so we can give God what he wants. Jesus said, when you fast, he was calling all believers to seek him in prayer and fasting. One way to make room for God without distraction is to restrict your television viewing. This gives you more time to spend in prayer and more time to spend with your family. During the 21 days, we have a daily prayer focus which can be found in the Fresh Start Guide, which has information concerning the diet plan. We also have other resources that can be picked up at the Welcome Center that can give you an understanding of what fasting is all about, as well as check out the information we have online. Special prayer times have been established from 5 to 8 a.m. Monday through Saturday in the chapel at SBCA. Also, one hour prior to service, there'll be prayer in the conference room. I'm so excited for everyone who's going to participate this year in the Fresh Start. God bless you. Back to you, David. Thanks, Pastor Matt. To learn more about Fresh Start, be sure to pick up a guide at the Welcome Center after service. One of the new changes that you may have noticed as you walked in today is our new calendar. On the back, you can find our highlights. Here you can find info on big events and on changes that are happening throughout the year. The calendar isn't the only thing changing. We're changing the name of the church too. If you haven't been around for a while, check out this video to get in the loop. What is a church? It's a place where people come from near and far to experience something that is bigger than themselves. A church is a place where people gather together to build community and proclaim the name of Jesus. To be part of a church is to be human, living, breathing, and engaging with life itself. At Good News Fellowship Church, we are celebrating 30 years of service to our community. 
Throughout the years, we have seen thousands of lives transformed by Jesus. Many have walked in with hurt and despair in their heart and left with the true love and hope that only God can provide. This has not been accomplished alone. Many countless hours of sacrifice have been poured out by individuals who have encountered Jesus, people who without him would be lost in a dying world. Our church is strong. We began in a hotel conference room and expanded quickly. Within the first two years, we bought a building, started an early learning facility, and began a Christian school. It has not always been easy, but it has always been worth it. In 1988, we built an auditorium to help us reach our community. As our church continued to grow, so did our passion for Jesus. Over 15,000 lives have been touched at over 3,500 gatherings. An estimated 390,000 volunteer hours have been given. Over 100 weddings have been officiated and more than 250 children have been dedicated. Many times throughout the years, we have seen God at work in our community of believers. It doesn't matter what your past is, the color of your skin, or if you're rich or poor. This is a place where people belong. When you think about it, the church isn't a place or building at all. The church is people. We are a people who cannot be broken. We are a family that will always forgive. We are peacemakers in a world at war. We are a body that when damaged will heal. We are a safe place for poor and for rich. We are a haven for those who are tired. We are a friend who will never grow weary. We are enablers for those who seek truth. We are a journey that never grows old. We are servants who love without an agenda. We are in awe of the one true God. We are a refuge. Wow, that was awesome. Refuge is right around the corner, and we have lots of great ways to, for you to get involved. We are currently working on videos to help promote refuge. If you have cool stories on how God has been your refuge, we'd love to hear them. Visit us at the Welcome Center today after service to learn more. Please note that the name change doesn't go in effect until January 25th. On that day, we're going to be having a special relaunch service. We're going to cast the vision of the church and inspire us as we look forward to this new chapter in the church's story. We're going to be starting a new series today called We Are Refuge. In this series, we're going to be learning what it means to be a refuge. Today, Pastor Matt's going to be bringing us a message called We Are Brave. It's going to be great. If you're on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, you can use the hashtag We Are Brave in order to promote today's series. You can also listen to today's message and all of their past messages for free on our website. That's all of our announcements. If you want to learn more about these events or discover events we didn't mention, you can visit us online at gnfchurch.net. We're constantly updating it. Or you can reference your bulletin insert. And if you want to stay up to date with the latest news, blogs, and more, you can like us on Facebook. We're updating that daily as well. I would like to take this time to welcome any new visitors. If you are a visitor, you can feel free to grab a GNFC info packet on the seat pocket in front of you. Fill out the attached card and drop it off at the Welcome Center for a free gift. All right, it's community time. Time to get up, go around, say hi to your friends and family here at GNFC. And be sure to walk around the room and say hi to an unfamiliar face as well. You'd rather just sit and chill? That's okay too. I'll give you a few minutes. 
At this time, children can be dismissed. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of the service. Every slave rises up from out of the ashes, lives fresh dust in a glowing sun, and a burning match light for the truth come on. What is brave? What is real? What is hope? This journey called life can be a difficult one. Full of surprises and full of heartache. Where do we find comfort? Where do we seek truth? The answers are not always easy to find, but the solution is always worth the fight. It is this journey that defines and molds us. It shapes us into the person we are. The life of Jesus is what inspires us. The hope and freedom he provides is what drives us. Our destination has been set, and we have the strength to arrive. We will not give up, and we
we will not turn back. The reality of this call requires one another, a mosaic of people with one goal, to show people Jesus. We are fearless at heart because we know our God. We have vision to disciple and a heart to love. We persevere when times get tough. Because of Jesus, we are brave. We are real. We are hope. We are refuge. I think I'm on. Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Wow, we made it. And, and you guys are so brave. You made it through the snowstorm. At least it let up. We got the, the parking lot plowed out for you. So we're just glad that you're here. And as we begin our journey together, we're excited about what God is doing this year. You know, um, I don't know if you ever heard about the guy that decided to have this New Year prayer. And I, I think it's always good to have a New Year prayer, you know. You, you come before the Lord and you say, Lord, I, I've been doing pretty good. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lied. I haven't been grumpy. I haven't, you know, uh, did anything that, you know, I'm ashamed of. But I'm going to really need your help, Lord, because in a couple minutes I'm going to get out of bed. <laughs> yeah, we can do good. But starting this new year, we really need to connect with Jesus Christ because he is the one that will enable us to succeed in what we need to accomplish in our life and what we've been called to do. And so we really want to connect with him and, and really build that relationship with him this year like never before. In the world, there's going to be greater challenges than what has been in the past. And you might say, how could it even get worse? But we know that God is still with us. He's not going to leave us nor forsake us. And I believe we're going to see greater miracles this year than ever before. I really believe that 2015 is a year that is marked for greatness. And the reason is because God has placed seeds of greatness in each and every one of you. And because of that, it's time for those seeds to germinate and take root and grow. Because it's going to take great people to do a great work for God in this time, in this age that we're living in. I believe that we're embarking on an exciting journey as a church as we embrace God's vision and directive for this year. To change a name is, is not just a small thing. There's a lot that goes into it. But this is not just something that we're doing because we thought it would be a good idea. We're doing this because we know it's a God idea. This is something that really came forth in prayer as, as we continue to seek the Lord, and we know that God is on the move doing something significant. And to change a name, that means there's going to be a shift in focus and how we impact the community, how we reach out, how we work together as a body, as we work together as a team, as we minister to those in need. I believe that there is needy people that we are assigned to in this community. And so I, I'm, I'm just excited about what God is doing. In fact, in, in this message today, actually in this month, just wanting to cast the vision as far as what we're doing for this month. In this particular series, we're first of all going to cast the vision of refuge and for refuge. We understand that refuge is defined as a condition of being safe or sheltered from pursuit, from danger, or trouble. And, and so that's really the dictionary definition of refuge. 
But we also can look to the Word of God to find out what refuge is in the Scripture and how does that relate to you and I and how does that relate to this church because we'll be exploring those things this month. We're going to look at what is our mission. What is our mission? And, and when we all really focus on the mission and center on the mission, then we can accomplish what God's called us to do. And I believe that it causes people to rally together because we serve a purpose that's greater than ourselves. What does the Bible say about refuge? We're going to find out that this month for sure. In fact, Sunday, January 25th, that's going to be a celebration service where we will officially become refuge. And so things have changed. You'll see changes throughout this year, but that's going to be the kickoff day and the relaunch of what God has called us to do as a church. And some people might question, well, you know, you've been going for 30 years. Um, why change the name? You know, what's wrong with Good News Fellowship Church? You know, I ask that too, but I believe that this is something that was birthed in prayer. In fact, it actually came to me, and I'll just share this little story. About 10 years ago, we were actually getting ready to celebrate our 20th anniversary. And one day in prayer, I really felt God speak to my spirit. And I heard the, the Spirit of God just speak to my heart and say, I'm going to give you a new name. I was reading in the book of Revelation, and the book of Revelation talks about giving a new name. And I thought, oh, what's that going to be? And I, I really felt that the Lord said, it's going to be revealed in time. And so that time has come. And God has revealed it to us, and we're excited about this venture and where we're going. We're going to be discovering God's plan for refuge. And we're going to find out what's in it for me. Now, you might say, isn't that kind of selfish? What's in it for me? Right? That's kind of, that's kind of selfish. Well, what's in it for you is important because for you, it's an opportunity to serve the purpose of God for this generation. Because God has a plan for you. He has a purpose for your life. And so there's something in it for you. There's a role that you have to play. There's a part that you have to serve in what God is doing within this church. And we're so thrilled that you're connected to what God is doing. And, and it's important for us to really seriously consider, God, what is my part? Even from a, a, a young Christian, it really came to me, Lord, I, I really want to do my part to serve my part in the Great Commission, to serve my part on this planet. What is that, Lord? What do you want me to do? Because I can't do it all, but there's something I can do. And that's what I want to do for you. You don't have to be, in fact, I never thought I'd ever be standing before people and preaching. I was the type of person that I was so shy, so introverted, that for me to be behind a pulpit, no way. That would never happen. But yet God chose me and called me, and, you know, with fear and trembling, even today I stand before you, but it's by the grace of God I am what I am, and I do what I do. And so no matter what God has for you in that role, in that part, he will give you the courage, he'll give you the boldness, he'll make you brave so that you can step out and obediently fulfill that calling. And you might say, you know, uh, I'm, I'm maybe not called of God. Oh, yes, you are. There's a calling of God in every life. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be standing behind the pulpit. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a missionary somewhere, but you're called to serve him. 
You may be called to serve in some profession. You may be called to serve in some role in life that you can reach people, that you can touch them with the love of Jesus Christ. Another thing that we're going to uh, address in, in this month's series is making God your refuge. What does that mean, and how does that impact your life? What does it mean for God to be your refuge? We're going to discover that by looking at people like David and, and other men of the Bible who found their refuge in God. And we find our refuge in Christ. And so I, I'm excited about what God has for this month. And, and those of us that are seasoned believers here, you know, I'm challenging you to embrace what God is doing because you are key in what God is doing here. You know, I'm not as young as some of you, but I recognize the importance that we have to reach this generation. We have a mandate. It's not fair that you and I get to go to heaven because we're saved, we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and the rest of the community go to hell. It's just not right. And we won't have that. I want to make it difficult for people to go to hell from Stevens Point. Because God will be so relevant in this community and so real in this community that people will not be able to, de to deny him, but they'll be willing to accept his love and in, in, in his salvation for their lives. So we are brave. I want to direct you to a scripture this morning. Uh, it's actually found in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. And before I read this, it's important for us to understand that the Scripture exhorts us to be brave. The Scripture encourages you and I to be brave because there's a lot of things in life that causes us to be, be wanting to be a coward or wanting to draw back or want to shrink back. But we need to be encouraged to be brave, to be bold, to be courageous. See, because the Scripture mandates that, it's important let that become a dominant character trait in your life. See, he made you with the capacity to be brave and courageous. Did you know that? I'm going to say that again. He made you to be brave and courageous. He made you that way. So when you're not that way, you're not fulfilling the, the character trait that he placed in you to be brave and courageous. Let's read the scripture here, 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13 and 14. It says, be on your guard, remain strong in the faith, be brave. I love that, verse 14. I'm just going to leave it at that, but I read verse 14. I said, we've got to continue in this. Be loving in everything you do. This is actually the New International Reader's Version. Let me just make this statement concerning this passage. Connected with verse 14, be loving in everything you do, realize it takes bravery to love. It really does. Love is a brave act because true love is sacrificial. You cannot be brave without love. Amen? And, and see, the Apostle Paul talked about the love of God being our motivation. It's the love of God that controls us. It's the love of God that compels us. It's the love of God that influences our life to be what we are to be for Jesus, to be bold, to share him with others. 
and to reach out to those in need. Just ask Noah, who just asked Samantha to be his wife this weekend. They are newly wet, I mean, newly engaged couple here. And both he and she had to be brave for that kind of commitment. It took Noah to be brave to ask the question, right? Were you nervous at all? A little bit, yeah. But it also took Samantha bravery to say yes, because that's a commitment to each other that this is a lifelong commitment. And not everybody's ready for that, especially guys. It's, it's sometimes hard for them to commit because, you know, they, you know, I won't go there, okay? So what does it mean to be brave? Well, the free dictionary defines it as possessing or displaying courage. But how do you get courage? Well, we're going to find out today. Um, it also is defined as courageous, dauntless, perhaps a little bit daring. A person who is brave faces dangerous or difficult situations with courage. It means to display courage. When was the last time you displayed some courage? And I like this meaning of bravery or to be brave. It's to be able to look at your biggest fear and face it. To look it in the eye and face that fear. When I was in junior high, um, you know, I think bowling is something that's talked about a lot today. Um, some... In some ways, I think it was a little bit worse when I went to school. Maybe it's worse now. I'm not there. But I can remember being cornered by three guys uh, by my locker, and they would each take their turns kicking me in the shins. And man, they would tear into me. They had these cowboy boots with the steel toe things. And they'd tear into me. And I would just, I couldn't say anything because if I did, they would, you know, and even more. And I was the type of person, you know, they said, if you tell anybody, we'll beat you up or whatever. So I wasn't going to tell anybody. Finally, one day, I thought, this is enough. I've had it. Uh, one of the individuals was sitting right behind me in egg class. I was, you know, raised on the farm, so I took egg. You know what that is? The FFA, all that. You guys know that? Anybody know that? If not, you don't need to know about that, okay? Anyway... <laughs> He took a freshly sharpened pencil and was stabbing it in my back. And he kept doing that. And so finally I said, okay, I've had it. I raised my hand. He said, put that hand on. I said, no, I'm going to tell the teacher what you're doing right now. I held my hand up for whatever reason. That teacher never noticed my hand. But I was holding it up high. And I wasn't going to, I said, put that pencil away now. He put it away. And when I stood up to that individual, after that, I, I, earned, I earned his respect for some reason, and he stopped bullying me. Now, something happened between junior high and high school with this individual. I continued to grow to six foot two. And he stopped growing at that age. I mean, this guy is five foot four or something, five foot six. Maybe five foot four. And I can remember showing up in high school, and, and we are out there for Fayette, and he's on the football team, and I'm looking down at him. 
And I'm thinking, okay, you were the guy that was bullying me before. Hmm, revenge. No, no, no I, I didn't do that. I accepted Jesus as a 17-year-old, so I knew I couldn't take revenge on him. But I just looked at him, and I thought, look at this. I was a t- intimidated by the guy. I was fearful of that guy. But now, you know, I'm not afraid of him anymore. And I won't mention you, his name because he probably still lives in this community. Okay. Well, his first name is Mike. I can go that far then. <laughs> now you can all be looking in the yearbooks. <laughs> Which Mike is it? Well, out of 700 and some graduating students, there's a few Mikes there. So, anyway, whatever challenge you face, to overcome it, you must be brave. You have to have the Star Trek mentality to boldly go where no man has gone before. That takes bravery to go out in outer space. I mean, you're out there, don't know what you're going to encounter. But Joshua 1.9, when Moses was turning over his administration over the nation of Israel, the children of Israel, to Joshua. He was checking out. He is passing on the baton to Joshua. He's made this statement to Joshua. In Joshua 1 verse 9, he says, Have I not commanded you to be strong and of good courage? That's a command. Did you know that we need to see this as a command in our life for us to be strong, to be courageous, to be brave? We need to see that as a command. It says, Do not be afraid nor dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Wow. See, that's what makes the difference. The promise, as Anna sang and led in that song, the Lord is with us. He will go before us. We're not alone. We're not alone. We're not alone. You're never alone. Even when you think you are, you're not alone because God is there. And that can give you courage. That can give you hope. So where does bravery come from? Well, the simple answer is faith and trust in God. Faith in believing his word. Ephesians 3.12. I'm going to give you a couple of scriptures just to lay a, a groundwork and a foundation so you can understand this more clearly. In Ephesians 3.12 it says, In whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Through faith in him we gain that boldness. We gain that confidence that we can come before a holy God that we have been given access to him. The scripture tells us and makes it so clear that we can come before the throne of his grace to receive mercy, to find grace, to help in time of need. Why? Because Jesus removed the barrier that separated us from God. Oh, that sin barrier has been broken because he paid the price for our sins. So now with bold confidence, we can stand before a holy God without fear of his wrath, without fear of his condemnation. See, uh, when I was growing up, I was under the mentality that if I got out of line, I just might get struck by lightning because that's one way God could take me out. Or that something else might happen to me because God was going to get me. I didn't have a good concept of the character of God. I didn't see him as a loving, benevolent father. 
I didn't see him as one who was willing to sacrifice his only son for me. Now that's love. We see a verse in the book of Acts, and I have to give you a little backdrop about this because Peter and John, this is after their Pentecost, and they're preaching. They actually walk into the temple, and there's a lame man laying there, and he's begging for alms. For, you know, he just wanted a handout. And Peter says, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, we give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. He grabbed them by the hand, pulled them up, and this guy jumps up and is instantly healed, running around. And so immediately, they have a crowd. And Peter and John have the opportunity to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and share that it was through Jesus' power that this man was healed and that if you give your life and heart to him, you can be saved. Now, the religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees did not like this. So they arrested Peter and John. They pulled them aside. They questioned them. And they, you know, had to deal with them. And this is what it says in verse 13. Now, this is from the perspective of the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day. It says, now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Wow. Now, when you have spent time with Jesus, you'll be bold. And people begin to see that boldness in your life. And they'll say, they've been spending time with Jesus. See, can people say about you, oh, they've been spending time with Jesus? Now, we don't have the opportunity to be with him physically, but we can connect with him in prayer. We can have fellowship with him. It's a real deal, okay? And so they recognized that Peter and John were boldness because they had spent time with the master. They spent time with Jesus. Now, I love Proverbs 28.1 because when you think about a lion, you think of a bold animal, right? The king of the jungle. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. See, as Christians, are we supposed to be timid? Are we supposed to be this easy prey for people to take advantage of us? No. There needs to be a boldness in us, not an arrogance. Not a, I'm better than you. We, and and we, we need to allow people to receive from us because maybe we can help them in areas, but we shouldn't be just a, a doormat and have them walk over us. And sometimes Christians can be that way. But yet when it comes to, like if it came right down to it, and, and we're going to talk about bravery even, in the midst of certain death because sometimes people are called to deny their faith and the consequence of not denying their faith may result in death. We've seen that throughout the centuries of Christianity. There's bravery that the world does not comprehend. Throughout history, we see countless Christians who bravely gave their lives and were martyred for their faith. From the time of the stoning of Stephen, and even when we look at the Roman Colosseum, the Christians that were burned at the stake and those that were fed to the lions, 
And even more recently, when we see the slaughter of Christians and even Christian children in Iraq or the Middle East, it grieves our heart. But to die for your faith requires such courage and such bravery and such boldness. And you might say, if I ever were challenged in that, if somebody were to say, deny Jesus or die, what would I do? I know what I would do. What would you do? I may say, well, I'm not sure. I, I don't know how I would respond to that situation. Know that in that moment of trial, God will give you the strength to remain faithful to him. Okay? And I'm getting off in a little different direction here, but I want to give you a couple of examples of bravery that we see in the Bible. We see the three Hebrew children in the book of Daniel. To give you a little backdrop here, King Nebuchadnezzar, is, uh, you know, he's got this group of people around him, these uh, people that are consulting him, advising him, and they somehow advise him, you need to build this idol and, uh, that represents your authority, your kingdom, and so that people can bow down and worship it. And so we'll play all these, uh, this music, then when that music is played, everybody has to bow down and worship this idol, this false god. And so there were three Hebrew children that were not about to bow. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we see in verse 16 of Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. And, and he challenged them, okay, we're going to play this music one more time. You either bow or you burn said, in that case, if that be the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will worship the golden image which you have set up. So even if they would burn, they would not bow. Talk about bravery. And these were like teenage kids. And I think that represents the youth of our day. There's a boldness in our youth. They really want, when they get connected to Jesus, when they get turned on to the things of God, I mean, you can't stop them. They're all out to go after everything God has for them. And see, we need to recognize that in them and, and encourage them. Amen? But these three Hebrew children... They defied the king in his edict, in his command, because they served a greater God, and they weren't about to bow. Now, you know the ordeal. They, they're thrown into this fiery furnace, and, and the soldiers that actually threw them in were burned up at the doorway of this furnace because Nebuchadnezzar, in his anger, instructed them to heat it seven times hotter than normal. I mean, think about it, ladies. You heat up your oven seven times hotter than what it should, you may have a house fire, right? You don't want to go there. But King Nebuchadnezzar noticed something transpire in that furnace. He saw not three, but four. 
the angel of the Lord, which was a pre-incarnate Christ, came in and was with those three Hebrew children and delivered them from that ordeal. In verse 28 in Daniel chapter 3, it says, Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Did you know what happened here? And, and we won't read the rest of the story, but this was a point of Nebuchadnezzar's conversion. This king became a believer in the one true God. And you can read later in the chap chapters of Daniel that follow how he's glorifying God and recognizing God as, as the Lord of the universe. Now, you may not be facing a fiery furnace. Maybe your life is filled with hopelessness and despair. I, I don't know. You know, sometimes we can come in church and we're all looking good, you know, and we all put on our best face and our smile, but yet inside we might be hurting, and you don't always know how much people are hurting on the inside depending on what they're going through. Maybe your life is is uh, full of stress, and that stress is threatening your peace of mind. Maybe you don't see a way out. Maybe you don't see an answer to the problem that you're facing. But you can become brave in the midst of this. Knowing God is your refuge enables you to trust him more freely. When you discover God is your refuge, you can trust him, and, and you can go from a place to weakness to strength. There's a question that we ask, and that is, how do I make God my refuge? Now, it's easy um, for us to picture a refuge being this fortress or this fortified building that can protect people to come into it to find a place of safety. But yet, how can we make God our refuge? I believe that King David is an example. He's a great example of, of a man that knew God as his refuge. Because at different times in his life, he was threatened. He was being chased. He was being sought out. He was always, like his life was, he'd run in one place, and Saul and his gang was trying to catch him and kill him. But yet he always found safety in God. A refuge is a safe place. Now, an easy way to make God a refuge is simply ask him to be your refuge. Simply ask him, Lord, will you be my refuge? It's a choice, it's a decision we make for the Lord to be our refuge. And we can see the scriptures, Psalms 31, 4 says, Keep me free from the trap that is set before me, for you are my refuge. And David made God his refuge. I want to tell you a story about a priest, Maximilian Colby. This priest was in a German concentration camp in 1941 in Auschwitz. When Franciszek Gajonacek, who was a Polish man that was imprisoned for helping the Polish resistance, he was taken to be executed. In fact, the Nazis had this thing going in the concentration camps. If one man escaped, they would execute 10 to cover for that guy that escaped. And so 
people were less likely to escape because they knew that if they escaped, it would be the cause of 10 people dying. And so they're in this concentration camp. And this man is chosen to be one of those that are executed. And he begins to cry out, my poor wife, my poor children, what will they do? In that moment, Father Colby pointed to the condemned man and said, I am a Catholic priest from Poland. I would like to take his place. Now, it's, it's, according to his, the historical record, it never happened any other time. But for whatever reason, this time the Nazis allowed this priest to take this man's place. And this man couldn't even verbalize his thanks. He could only thank this priest with his eyes. And after his release from Auschwitz, he returned to his hometown to find his wife. His two sons had been killed during the war. He actually died on March 13, 1995, at the age of 95. Every year in August, actually August 14th, he would go back to Auschwitz to pay homage to Father Colby, honoring the man who died on his behalf. You know, and, and, and so the, when you think about that, you compare that to what Jesus did for us. He took our place because we were guilty of our sin, which would sentence us to eternal separation from God, to hell. And yet Jesus took our place to release us. So we also pay homage to him. Consider this man's bravery. Now we are brave. Why are we brave? We are brave because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. We are brave because God has made us more than conquerors. And Romans 8.37 says, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, you know, we understand this is a stated fact. He's made us more than conquerors. We're overcomers in this life. There's, there's scriptures that talk about overcoming in this life. Because God is our refuge. We are brave because God is our refuge. In Psalms 62, verse 7 and 8, it says, My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Verse 8 goes on to say, Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. Psalms 46, 1, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. We are brave because of Jesus. Because of what he did for us on the cross through his death and through his resurrection. I want you to look at Romans chapter 5 and, and we'll be closing with this passage here. Romans chapter 5 verses 6 through 8. It says, For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps a good man 
someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now this is an important message that the world needs to hear because even though people don't know it, it's a reality. Jesus died for those that don't know him, for those that have not accepted him. He's died for them. And so we come to a place where we receive salvation. We come to a place, in fact, I want you to just take a moment and just bow your heads. And I want you to consider the things I just shared. Jesus dying for you, what does that mean? Now, his physical death was something so significant to impact the whole of humanity. But you might say, how can one man die for the sins of the world? How can one man take upon himself and bear the sins of this world? He wasn't just a normal man. He was God in the flesh. So only God could do something like that. And so what may seem unbelievable to some is reality in this earth when you understand God's plan for humanity. From the time of the fall, God set out to begin his work of redemption to restore fallen man back to himself. And he did that through his son. He did that through Jesus Christ who died on the cross for us, who paid the price for us. I want you to take a moment and just bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want to ask an important question. And that is, have you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Do you believe he died on the cross for you? Now there's many in this room that believe that wholeheartedly, no doubt. But maybe there's some that have never really received Jesus as their Savior. Maybe you've gone to church. Maybe you even believe in God. But there's something about receiving the love of God, receiving the gift of eternal life. And it happens when we do something which seems so simple. It's simply receiving. It's simply accepting the free gift that God so freely gives. Jesus came to seek and to save those who are lost, those that have gone astray, those that maybe don't know their purpose, their direction in life. And they've been consumed with things of this world, corrupted by the evil of sin. And yet Jesus came as the answer to bring a remedy to that which afflicted mankind. So if you're here this morning and you say, I don't know that my life is right with God, but I'm ready to receive Jesus and what he has for me. I'm ready to encounter his love. I'm ready to receive of his forgiveness. I'm ready to receive his peace and what he offers me. He died in my place. I believe that. 
and I accept his gift of eternal life. If that's you, and if this is something that's like, hey, this I've never really been asked that question before, but I'm, I want to receive this Jesus. I want to know this God who freely loves and has given himself for me. I want you to lift your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Can you see that hand? There's others. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And everybody can pray this prayer together. And you might say, well, what kind of prayer is this? It's, we can call it a, a salvation prayer, a prayer that appropriates our salvation that God has provided for us. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I open up my heart to you. I believe that you sent Jesus to die in my place to take the sentence of death in order to give me life. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to be the Lord of my life. I receive you now. Forgive me of my sins. Make my life what you want it to be. I give you control. Fill me with your peace. In Jesus' name. Just talk to him for a moment. Just pour your heart out to him. Invite him in. Invite him in. Say, Jesus, you're welcome in my life. You're welcome to take control. You're welcome to guide me, to lead me, to show me the path of life. Jesus, make yourself real. Make yourself real to me. In Jesus' name. stand and we're going to conclude in a song and I want to share and invite you to Wednesday night actually Tuesday prayer is going to be moved to Wednesday at 6 and then at 7 o'clock we have an acoustic worship service and, and these services have been powerful uh, we're going to be doing them every other month we have the small groups the turning points the other Wednesday nights and youth meet on Wednesday nights but this first Wednesday of this year, we'll be coming together for an acoustic worship time in God's presence. And, and I believe God's going to meet us in a very special and powerful way. We also uh, want to remind you about the Fresh Start prayer times. We'll be over in the chapel from 5 to 8 a.m. You can come for just a part of that time. You don't have to be there the whole time. Uh, but we encourage you to come if you can. And also... Uh, we want to, yeah, I think that's all I had to share with you in that. Let me pray a prayer for you before we sing this song. And if there are those that need prayer, we're going to have the prayer team come up at this time. and They'll be available to pray with you as the um, worship team is, is singing and leading us in, in worship. Let me pray this prayer for you. Father, we do thank you for what you are doing in our lives. And Father, when we make the statement we are brave, we understand the foundation of that statement is you. Jesus, you are the reason we can be brave. You are the reason we can stand strong. 
You are the reason we can endure the test, the trial. You are the reason that we overcome in this life. We are brave because of you, Jesus. We honor you in this place today. Amen. Let's worship him. And those, if you need prayer, make your way to the front at this time. Passing this out. 